0: as you know, was more successful and also probably more persecuted than we may ever be, right? So he planted churches. He did the stuff. He wrote the Bible, right? But he also, you read from Scripture, was like jacked up. I mean, dude got whipped and he got beaten and he got put in prison and all of these radical things happened to him. But your, your and my journey together, seniors and upperclassmen and all the way down, our journey together has still been extremely meaningful to me. And while I don't have the testimony uh, or near the, uh, you know, you could say like the validity or the... Coolness of uh, of the testimony as the Apostle Paul. I I do believe that as we walk through these last few verses, um, I can say that I've failed a lot in ministry, and <clears throat> I've even seen some fruit. I don't have the same experience. I don't have the same authenticity as Paul, but I do think that uh, when we walk through these verses that Paul wrote. And as I reflect and we reflect and we kind of talk about personal example and we talk about these verses, I do that uh, that we can that we can learn, that you can learn, and that it's not just I'm going to tell you some stuff from Ephesians, but that you can take it with you, and then you can walk out of here learning from my failures, learning from things that work. <clears throat> as we talk about the armor of God, as we talk about going into battle, right? I want to encourage you that we you know, he's talking about stuff, he's been through stuff that we'll never really maybe be able to relate and yet. This book has application to our lives right now. Okay? <clears throat> so, I'm going to share some testimony. I'm going to use also an illustration that uh, is near and dear to my heart. And it's it's like this. If evangelism, okay, we're going to talk about the armor of God, and we're going to talk about evangelism, is like being on a rescue mission. Like a rescue swimmer mission. So I specifically, personally, want a couple of specific people to know Christ and receive salvation like, there's people in my mind right now. They're the first two names. There's two of them that come to mind. And I'm not going to say their name because I want them to be here. Uh, but there's a couple of people that I have been trusting God for. And, uh, and this year of pursuing them has been quite a journey of emotions and decisions and prayer and conversations with these students. And in one sense, um i felt compelled to specifically reach out and minister to just a couple of these students. They're, they're kids from Grandview. And it's in such a way that it kind of makes me feel like it's like a special operation. You know what I mean? I know it's not. Like I'm just some dude and there's some kids that God wants to be saved. But when they burdened on my heart and when I haven't been able to escape this for the last nine months, it kind of feels like, man, I'm the one burdened for them, and as I look into their lives, and I look through their lives, and around their lives, I see that who else is burdened for them like this? And there's probably people, but I don't see them. And so I take it as a personal mission that they hear the gospel, and that they feel the love of God. And you, students, counselors, may need to trust God for a similar type of burden for someone. Right. That's kind of what the whole goal is. That we seek the lost, that we see them saved, and that we disciple them. And that is a personal thing. It's not just some like, oh, I see how many people I can get saved. It's not some, let's see how many people I can disciple. It is very personal. Ministry is so personal. But, okay, so with these students, along the way, I have been learning through this last nine months how to put on the armor of God and to use it. I've gotten uh, I I've, I've felt kind of beat up. I've gotten to the end of the day and Kylie's heard me whine and complain and she's heard me weep and she's heard me celebrate and it's been really just I'm like an emo teenager a lot of times. But I have learned how to put on the armor of God in, in some ways. And so with that, let's jump in and let's look at some verses. Let's talk about this armor. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14, it says this. Paul tells us, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Okay, loins are just like, um, it's like your midsection area. Okay, and we're not talking about your private parts. We're talking about the muscle group that sustains your stance, right? Your loins, this area. Wear a loin cloth. You're a weirdo, okay? But the loin cloth covers your loin area. Now, I will say, I did wear a loin cloth when I was in high school. How many of you are on Boy Scouts? Any Boy Scouts? You know what I'm talking about. Yep. If you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. So, anyways... So your loin area that is vital to life. That's vital to uh, walking. That's vital to your 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 stance and your posture. It has to be good. Put the truth. Okay. So consider this: the world and its forces are gonna push you around, and they're gonna try to knock you down. You say, "What does that mean?" Well the world, meaning like the system that we live in, if you go to school, I don't know about you, but I go to school, and my school is not actually that much different from yours, and I hear pretty quickly just a lot of crazy, right? And some of it's subtle, and some of it's not. I hear a lot of crazy, because there's a lot of crazy in the world, and you know that. You turn on the news, you go to your school, you go to your job, you go anywhere in the world and you realize that this place is not producing a whole lot of peace and goodness right there's a whole lot of fighting and confusion and turbulence and there's like certain you know it's just the world is not a great place do you agree? right well that place is going to push you around and it looks kind of like this Ephesians 4.14 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried away with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Okay, so what does it look like? What does it look like to kind of shake you up, to try to get you off guard? To to get you to misstep? Well it'll say subtle things like this it's okay to compromise your holiness. It's okay to compromise in this one moment, in this one instance. It's okay to compromise because Lose your salvation to compromise. That's what the world tell you, and that's not true. It's not okay to compromise, and you. But we can show. The opposite of that be perfect, because you can lose your salvation, right, when I got saved, I know that, right when I got saved, shortly after, I know that, I, you know, I don't know exactly the conversations that produced this, but I had a journal, I got saved, and I remember, like, my next memory is, I'm at home, in my room, down in the basement, and it's a janky notepad, and I'm just like, God, I'm pretty. Uh, I don't know. Like I don't know. I I'm, I believe you're real, but are you? And all of a sudden, I'm self-doubting. Okay, well, what does that produce? Self-doubt either defeats you, or what does it provoke you to do? Well, if you self-doubt, then you compensate for your supposed inefficiencies or insufficiencies, right? And so all of a sudden, now you're producing this life and this behavior like. And performance based and all of a sudden you think you have to be perfect and it's a short trip from that to I have to sustain this perfect lifestyle otherwise God doesn't accept me and maybe that means I don't have my salvation or maybe that means God just doesn't like me or love me anymore and our flesh is all all of our flesh is capable of, of convincing of, the, of convincing convincing us of that kind of thing the devil will say things like <clears throat> he's the accuser of the brother and he'll say things like you're a failure you failed. And nothing matters. So give up. Live free. Do whatever you want. You messed this up. So just... Whatever. Doesn't matter. And if it doesn't matter, then you and I will do... If it doesn't matter, we're going to do whatever we want, whatever we feel. And that's not okay. In reality, the only thing that sets us free is the truth that is good about our loins. In other words, knowing God according to His Word and being established in it is what allows us to have victory and strength in our walks with Him. Our loins, our stance, has to be good about with truth. Our mind has to be anchored in His Word. Because otherwise, we will walk around defeated when victory is very much given and accessible to us. And so as you go, seniors, and as you go along, everybody else, here's your key point. In terms of the Bible, in terms of what you've learned, believe what you know and know what you believe. Believe what you know you have been taught the scriptures and don't you dare let anybody tell you that it's not true. You hang on to that word. You hang on to that Bible. But know what you believe. Okay, don't be a doofus. Alright, you go into college and you know your friends are like, Well, I don't I don't believe that. And they want you to give an explanation. They want you to give an answer. Well, you better know what you believe. Alright? Give them an answer. How do, you know what, how, how do you know what you know? How do you know what you believe? How do you believe what you know? Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you believe the Bible in the first place? Well, you need to know why. That's important. That's a part of having your loins girdle about with truth. So as you pursue souls, truth will give you a balanced and steady and strong stand. Here's the abject lesson so I told some of the seniors this, this weekend, I was uh, at my desk, and you know, one of these students that I'm desperate that they'd be saved, you know, we go back and forth, we have a great relationship. She's sitting there, and then this other students over here, and I'm like, hey Raven, isn't she crazy? She doesn't believe in God. And so we just started flaming this girl. Like you yeah, do God. Now we were teasing. It was lighthearted. I wouldn't do that to just some random person because that's like, that's like a big jerk move, obviously. But uh, man, just being simple, being a simpleton, probably not gonna get it done. She doesn't believe because she needs answers, right? Don't be a Bible bully. Let's move to the next part of that verse, Ephesians six fourteen. The rest of it says, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So as you pursue the fight for souls, you need to understand that the nature of this battle, as you're pursuing and as you, you're you know, going into this warfare, into this battle, to see a person saved or to see a person built up in their faith, the nature of the battle is one of deception. There's a lot of deception flying around. There's a lot of accusation and there's a lot of lies at play. That's the nature of the battle. Thus, you and I ought to expect that there will be attacks on your character and your testimony. Does that make sense? If you're going to win a soul, you better believe somebody's going to try, not even maybe intentionally, but gonna have something to say about you that's going to derail your objective. What is the devil? Well, he's the father of lies. So if I can... Uh, if I can, you know, Seth, let's say he's real fruitful and he's winning all kinds of people to the Lord and it's really great and he's really enjoying this fruit and he's, he's caught fire and people are just like around him and there's open doors and he's just, ah, I do gospel and they The getting saved, well, if I'm the devil, what do I want to do but shut him down? Well, how am I going to do that? Well, real easy. I saw him stay late at work that one girl or whatever right if I can pin something that shows everyone that he isn't who he says he is I can shut that down real quick can't I does that make sense I don't even have to cut his leg off if I cut his leg off he's going to get more attention but if I can defame him hmm it's going to stunt him that's why Paul tells us, he says in 2 Corinthians 6.3, he says, "...giving no offense in that the ministry be not blamed." We can't let the ministry be blamed by our bad behavior. Okay, Philippians 2, verse 14 and 15 says, "...all things without murmurings and disputings." In other words, hey, grow up. Make sure you're grown up. Make sure you're not whining and complaining that ye may be a blameless and harmless, You ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. Nobody has anything they can say about you. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Your lifestyle ought to be a breastplate of righteousness. You ought to walk around and what people see crest on your, on your breastplate is righteousness. They say, oh, that guy's different. That girl's different. They don't cheat on tests. Which, by the way, cheating on tests is cheating. Yeah, you're, you're lying. I mean, it's not actually very gray at all. If you take someone else's answers and you give that to the teacher, you've given them not true information that's someone else's that's cheating or how about lying yeah you're lying I know they're little but that's actually lying but when you talk about that kid yeah you talk about that teacher is that righteous? I mean I don't think it is what's on your breastplate? what are you showing? So let's juxtapose this with uh, blamelessness with um, people-pleasing. Okay, so Mama Gracer once said, Mama said, What anybody thinks about you is none of your business. Okay, so my mom told me I came home and I was all feeling sorry for myself because somebody said something about me. In sixth grade, People, I wore you know the weird clothes and so the, the kids all thought, you know, I'm a weirdo and I was, but she was... Like Jeff, what they think about you is none of your business. I said, Oh, whoa, it's none of my business. So I don't even worry about what other people think about me. Okay, so where is this balance? I'm supposed to be righteous, to have this testimony, and yet yeah, I'm not supposed to worry about what people think about me. Yeah, exactly. That's right. If someone can <clears throat> pin some kind of accusation or inappropriate misstep on you, your testimony is weak. Conversely. Righteousness, your righteousness, standing up like a man or like a woman of God and say, I'm not going to do the petty stuff that I've done. I'm just going to walk righteously, which just means I'm going to do what's right. Why is that so unattractive? Why is that so, oh, they're religious, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay. Don't worry about what those people think about you. If you will just walk righteously and do what you know God wants you to do, your lifestyle will speak more loudly and clearly than a carefully crafted rebuttal to someone's question. In other words, you don't have to just be right about the Bible and what it says and all this. But you do need to be righteous. And that will be more effective. That is that piece of the armor of God. You need to be right. You need to know the Word. You need to be established in it. But at the end of the day, if somebody comes up with some stupid question that's only there because they're full of doubts, well, you know, have an answer for the hope that you have. But also, be righteous. And let that speak for you. Because what you're doing is you're just doing what God said. Does that make sense? So... Key point, something that you have likely heard a lot, but maybe not, it's better to be righteous than it is to be right. Don't worry about being right, be righteous. Now, I could say from my testimony, I haven't always explained things the most clearly. Nor have I loved people the most carefully. <clears throat> I don't always have an answer for students in here. I don't always have an answer for confused students, students with questions at work, nor do I always have moving, loquacious sermons. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? I don't always talk good when I preach. That's well, kind, of, kind of ironic, right? <clears throat> That's on purpose. But seriously, I don't. I'm not the sharpest tool in the in the whatever, and and you know that, but and nobody in here is mad about it. But one thing I can say that has been invaluable to ministry and the ministry that I've gotten to be part of is that I might not be, you know, the the uh, the Kenny Morgan or the Brandon Briscoe of preaching. I've not been, uh, you know, the Will Mata or the Brandon, or the Sam, or the Chris best of like ministry strategy. I've not been the organized, um, efficient leader that Mitch or Andrew Ong have been. Or all the other leaders, they all have gift sets. And I know that I fall in different areas. And duh, everybody does. I'm I'm not mean for you to feel bad. But I do know that this, I have sought to be right with you. And when there's error between us, there's nothing more important to me than that. When we're off, I'm off. And I think you should take that with you. Be righteous. Don't be right. Be unified with the body. Be humble. Be humble. Does that make sense? Because if you're not, you're not going to be fruitful better to be righteous. And that is, being right with people is fulfilling righteousness. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 15. He says, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Okay, so in other words, your, your feet, you know, they say, I'm ready. I got the gospel ready. Wherever your route takes you in this rescue mission, let's go back to that. So I'm I'm going to find this person i want to uh i want i want them to be saved and you know I'm dropping down to the helicopter and the waves are turbulent, so my loins are gir about with truth i'm I'm strong I'm able to endure the storm and the whatever and um I've got my uh my 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 breastplate of righteousness. I know that you know as I'm going there as I'm getting there when you know there's accusations or whatever like oh you know. He's not doing it right. Well, I know that I'm doing right by the Lord. And and now my feet are moving toward this person. Well, I see someone else drowning, what? I should probably get them. Right? Okay, what am I talking about? Well, wherever your right takes you, your trust is for that salvation, in root of that salvation, the other people that are along the way which will be most... Most certainly, if you open your eyes and you open your heart, you will see that there are lots of people who are willing to hear the gospel from your mouth. They're willing to hear the gospel from your mouth. If we will just wake up. And we had better be ready to I should be ready and available. Maneuver you have in your back pocket. So I'm going to the grocery store. I'm focused on getting groceries. And you should be. Don't be. Don't. And buy. Whatever. But you're gonna have to go to the grocery store for groceries eventually. Okay. In those moments, right, when you have a task at hand, you, you and I should be ready and prepared. There should never be a moment where someone opens up dialogue about something spiritual and you aren't ready to share the gospel. Does that make sense? It's as simple as knowing it. And it's as simple as being humble and willing to share it. You with me? That should be uh, the preparation of the gospel. That should be what our feet look like. That should be what our goings about look like. Tegan at the coffee shop was getting coffee we're at this bougie coffee shop and there's this girl behind Tegan and Joy and I don't know what the conversation was we weren't there to evangelize we're in like Lampy, Missouri or something we're in like Springfield I don't even know where we're we're in, Br- we're in Branson, Branson we're in Branson right okay are you going to go do invites for Midtown Baptist Temple in Branson no Okay, but I look over and she's got a card. And she's handed it to him. Why? I don't know. Why not? Maybe there's a conversation being had. Maybe there's an opportunity. Maybe there's an open door. Are you humble and bold enough Did you say, Here, yeah, connect, whatever. Does that make sense? Romans 10.15 says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? Okay, we are sent into the world. You're sent to your schools, to your jobs, to wherever you're at. And it says, As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Those walking around with the gospel at the rest, not pushing it and not, yet not withholding it, have a beauty and a confidence and a joy and a spirit that draws people. When you're ready to give people the cure to their sin disease, you are someone, if you have that available, you are someone that people are going to want to go to. Right? You just that's just how it is. If you're confused or apathetic, are people going to draw themselves to you? No. But if you have the answer to I'm in the universe will flock to Corinthians <clears throat> four six the line out of darkness in our hearts to give the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, you have been given this light, the light of the gospel and that's supposed to shine out of your life and it's supposed to shine into the lives of other people around you. and that's kind of your purpose and function. When you got saved, as you know, God didn't rapture you up out of here, did he? He didn't. You're still here. Why? your friends and neighbors are still lost. And because people you don't even know are lost. Right? So here's your key point. Love constrains us to evangelize. And I won't go so far as to say that if you don't evangelize, you don't love people. I won't say that. But if you don't evangelize and you do love, It might be because you're afraid. Love constrains us to evangelize and fear refrains us from it. We stop ourselves from evangelizing because we're afraid. What are we afraid of? We're afraid that we will be marked as weirdos. Yeah. Probably so. Probably will. I'm not bragging I get really uncomfortable when there's a pile of students around my classroom. A pile. There's a little teeny, like right outside my room, literally every day, okay? And I'm out there, and these other teachers come up, and they're like, "The Gratia, you're like, you just must be the cool guy. You're like, so cool. Okay, you guys know me. You though know, that's not true. But all these teachers are like, oh, you're cool. Like, man, oh, I wish that you guys should just all go to grocery class. Like, everybody, you know what? Where's Mr. Grisha? Where's Mr. Grisha? Where's Mr. Grisha? Why don't you guys just go to Mr. Grisha's class all day? That's awkward. That embarrasses me. That makes me blush, right? <laughs> it truthfully does. And here's because I'm not cool. Okay, I'm not saying I'm a, you know, I'm not like, like if there's a, if there is a uh, you know a spectrum of cool, I'm not saying I'm like just totally unaware and oblivious, but I'm I'm just not cool. Okay, I'm somewhere I'm very average. Now what is it that makes people flock to my room? Is it because I'm just so swaggy? You and I both know that's not true. It's not It's not. And if you think that of me, you're you're confused. I'm not cool. I just really love you. And the kids come to my room because they know it. They know that I love them. Okay, well, what does that mean? Because I love them, if they come to my desk, if they come to my room, they're going to hear the Gospel. And they're going to be invited to church. I'm going to invite them. And I don't care if it's awkward. And I don't care if it's weird. You know why? Because they don't either. Why? Because they know I love them. And the people in your lives ought to know that you love them. And when you invite them to whatever, to church, to Bible study, etc., it's going to be awkward. But it's okay. Because there's a lot more awkward things that could be happening. You know what else is awkward? You know what else is awkward? It's awkward to like... Never mind. I think that fear is, uh, is like this weird, crippling agent that we let seep into our heart and into our minds. Man, what are you afraid of, man? Losing your reputation? And get rid of it. Get rid of it. Be a weirdo. It's okay. A weirdo, man. Don't worry about what people think about you, worry about where their souls are going, and let that motivate you to speak up, to be bold, and to be prepared with the gospel wherever you go. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, it's our last verse that we'll talk about this morning. It says, Shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, a dart. Is defined as like a missile, like a, dar- a javelin, an arrow. This, um, what is uh, no, this like a uh, weapon of warfare that is going to go through the air. What's that called? It's a nuke. No, Aero. 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 what did you say to this? No, what did you say? No, arrow, arrow assault, arrow assault. We'll that? work on it. Okay. So it's this it's this weapon that comes through the air, okay? And the shield of faith is to protect us from that. So simply when attacks what is it? Aerial. Aerial. Aerial attack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like the little mermons. Yeah. She might be one for some for some of you. Simpl- or temptations or when they arise, our response must be faith. Because faith causes us to rise our perspective above our circumstances. In other words, what is happening to me right now is bad. It is hard. It does hurt. It is real. I feel, I feel really bad some days because of attack, because of trial. I'm not above, nor are you above hardship. Okay, and yet we don't get to just stay in that because we have this shield of faith. And what it does is when we believe, when we have faith, we believe, uh, we find grace. So consider this Romans 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in the glory of, of God. We are standing in grace. Your situation might really, really suck. Well, guess what? It sucks, and yet you're standing. You. It because you're good about the truth and you see your situation for what it is, you are actually standing in grace, and that's grace sufficient for your circumstances. Suck, which you might have some sort of hardship that persists for a really long time, and yet God's grace is sufficient for it. You can be okay, you can be at peace, you can thrive, you can even grow moving forward productive fruitful in spite of awful circumstances that's what the bible says and if you believe it you see it we need to we need to look around with spiritual eyes seeing the spiritual reality that we have 833-39, so we have grace but we also have uh, uh, Who shall lay anything to the charge of the elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is He that condemned? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. We'll keep going here, but God justified you and me, and we have that, we have access to that justification. I faith. God sees me, and it's just as if I'd never, my, that's miraculous that God can look at you, and see your sin, so you can stop seeing it, because He doesn't see it. He, get has been honest with Him, and He's been honest with you. Hey, I paid for that. I walk away from that. But I love you. I, he's making intercession for us. Don't you know Jesus is praying for you? My situation sucks. Yes, it does. It's awful. It's the worst I've ever seen in my life. But Jesus is praying for you right now. If I just sit still for a second and I think about it, Jesus is praying for me. Whoa. That's wild. That's different. He continues here, who shall separate us from the love? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, nakedness or peril or slaughter? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. My life is really hard. There's trials and temptations and there's attacks. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. He says, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Stop. You're not. You're. You need to see that. You need to believe God for that. For I am persuaded. You need to be persuaded. nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, Those are things we battle with, nor things present, nor things to come, nor high. Death nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are just, justified. We are advocated for. Look around with spiritual eyes and see that. Oh, wow. I need this person to be saved, but my life sucks right now. Hey, that's okay. Welcome to the Fellowship of Suffering. It's hard. I'm with you. I'm worn out, man. I get it. I go back and forth with these kids all day. And there's been years where there's 10 plus professions of faith. Kids getting saved left and right. I'm like, wow, look at this. What in the world? And then there's years where that's not happening. And I want it sad bad. And there's no breakthrough. There's no open door. And I'm discouraged. Every day. I'm with you. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes life kind of sucks. But here's your key point. Faith activates our defense system in the midst of attack and turmoil. If you will just say, you know what? good, but God said it is. God said it's good. That is your... And all of a sudden, those attacks, they got nothing. They got nothing on what God has done and what God is doing currently, presently in your life. You are God. You have grace. And nobody can touch it. That's... I have access to grace where I can have joy and contentment. I can learn to be content even though the worst could happen or is happening or has happened. I can I have gra- that kind of grace. Yeah. When things are difficult and there's a spiritual attack that feels bad, but faith allows us we will come out of it a victor if we simply trust God. So here's the conclusion. Here's how I want to end. I would like the praise team to come up. We're gonna sing a song, and we're gonna let you uh, respond. And it's gonna be awkward, and I don't care. Okay, and neither do you. We're just gonna be humble. If if you know that something, something that we've talked about is like, yep, that's uh, the, I I I think that the Lord is maybe. Prodding at my heart, he's pricking at my heart, he's knocking. He's saying, "Hey, pay attention to this." Then you can respond. We can right here. Yeah, somebody might see you. Mama said, "Mom said it not matter. It doesn't matter. Good, see me, whatever. Not a big deal." But we'll pray together, okay? Maybe. Your faith is faded and weak. Maybe you feel beat up, and you know you just need to believe God for what only God can be and do for you. And you would say, "I just need," you know, like that dad in the Gospels, who's like, "I believe, help my." You know what I mean? That's you. Maybe you feel like you've been losing in life. Maybe you just feel like beat up, can't win. Don't have an answer you're just down. Maybe it's something specific. Maybe there's a person that you, you know you're desperate for and you're broken for. Let's pray. Let's, like, let's do it. Or maybe you don't know Christ as your personal savior. Maybe you don't know that you're justified. Maybe you don't know that you have grace. Maybe you don't know that you have forgiveness. maybe you don't know him as your Lord. And you know that you need to. Let's do that. Let's talk about it. Maybe you want to give your life. Maybe you just want to talk about it. Okay, let's talk about it. Wherever you're at, we want to meet you there. Does that make sense? So, praise team come up. I'm going to pray for us. We'll sing a song. Brock and Dan are back there. Kai's up here. Lauren's over there. I'll be over here or something. And if you want to come pray, we'll pray. Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and God. Thank you for the seniors. Our Lord, as as um, God is our group, as this group, as we kind of transition and we we. Morph and change into you know this new group with this new personality and dynamic God would you fix our heart and our mind on the battle would you burden our hearts for the lost God don't let this summer be just a time of escaping relationships but a time of of gaining relationships and burdens for the loss. God, would this summer be more fruitful than even this semester has been? God, and help us. Help us to put on these pieces of the armor of God so that we can battle, so that we can fight for souls. And Lord, for the seniors, God, would you help them to put on that armor And to remember to put on that armor and to to actively have um, their abiding be in you. Would their relationship be sweet with you? Would their relationship... uh, Would it grow deeper and stronger than it ever... ever did in here and uh, Lord would you bless them you give them grace help them to understand help them to serve help them to love uh, people help them to love you and um, God get glory out of their life Lord please use them up use them in the season of, of of singleness of of no small families you know of, of this these years where they have all the energy and the time and capacity to, to throw themselves so you've got to help them to, to arrive at that destination and um, God uh, I'm thankful to you and I love you and uh, however we need to respond to God would you help us in Jesus name Amen